As we get closer to the end of the Mike Bray era at Notre Dame, now is a great time to reflect and figure out who are the best players to play for Bray over the past 23 years. All that and more on this edition of Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Friday, March 3rd, so happy Friday to all of you. And thank you for making this your first listen today and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Plus, you can watch the show on YouTube as well. Whether you're watching or listening, please subscribe to the show and throw out a like, rate, review, whatever your heart desires. I appreciate all of it. My name is Tyler Wojak, and I am the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018. I've been podcasting about the football team for the past three years, and I'm also a producer for the college football talent at Fox Sports in Los Angeles. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And in today's episode of Locked On Irish, I'm going to be joined by my good friend and old co-host, Luke Smith. Uh, as some of you might already know, Luke's, Luke and I used to host a podcast together called Sons of Saturday Irish. So I'm really pumped to have him on the new show to talk a little bit about Mike Bray. And then we're each going to draft a starting five using only players from the Bray era at Notre Dame. And then we'll wrap things up by answering a few questions submitted by you in our first ever mailbag episode. If you want your questions answered on future mailbag episodes, please hit up the show on Twitter at LockedOnIrish, on Instagram at LockedOnIrishPod, or my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Now let's talk to Luke. All right, Luke Smith is here. We're cooking with gas now. How's it going, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Last episode of the week. Almost down with one week. So I'm feeling good. Um, how was that side? You get to watch the Irish game? I watched it on tape delay because I had to uh, attend a end-of-year seventh-grade basketball party for this group I, I coached this this past winter. So that took precedence. Uh, however, you know, when I was checking my phone and saw that the Irish were up 20, I knew I was going to spend the better part of, of late last night rewatching that, which I can't say I've I've watched as many games as normal this year, but I uh, didn't want to miss that one. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't blame you for not checking into every single game. I know I haven't. It's been a, it's been a rough year. But what do you think about like the end of the Bray run and how he was able to go out last night with the W? It was. For as poorly as things have gone this year, that was probably about as well as it possibly could have gone. Uh, that Joyce Center, I guess now it's Purcell Pavilion, has been home to a lot of magical Bray moments over the years. And last night was no different. You're playing a ranked Pittsburgh team who was leading the ACC going into the game. Of course, they were going to beat him and, and put up a bunch of points in his last game at home. I think it was tied a season high or maybe set a season high for points scored in a game last night. And yeah, it, even though the place was probably half full, uh, it seemed like there was a bit of an energy or, or a vibe to it, which last week when I was there for the North Carolina game, it was probably 60% North Carolina fans. So it's good to see him get a little bit of a better send off in the arena itself. And then, uh, of course, everybody saw the tweets from the linebacker, which just looked like a zoo. I can't imagine how hot it had to have been in that bar last night, but uh, pretty cool setting. That's for sure. I can't believe that Jack Swarbrick was inside of the backer. Well, what I'm going to bring up, and one of our friends, I'm not going to reveal who, sent a picture of that tweet of Swarbrick, or maybe it was a, a camera from the backer of Swarbrick in it, and he accidentally called him Jenkins, 
And I looked behind him and I thought this old guy in a hat was Father John in the backer. <laughs> but he was like, oh, no, I misspoke. I meant Swarbrick. My bad. It's like, I, I thought Jenkins was in there, too. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine Father Jenkins has ever stepped foot inside the backer. But or any bar at, in South Bend for that yeah, matter. Yeah, it seemed like everyone who was in the crowd last night at the game made their way to the backer after. And it looked like an awesome time. Wish it could have been there. But in the spirit of Bray and the fact that it's a Friday episode, let's do something a little fun. Uh, on this show, we want to do a draft, a starting five using only players that played for Mike Bray at Notre Dame. And then when we're done, we'll kind of debate who has a better roster at the end. But Luke, you are the guest here. You lead us off. Who's your number one overall pick uh, in the Mike Bray Notre Dame era? Oof, uh, this is tough. And I hope that some of the early era guys don't get left off here. But I think there's probably only one answer for the number one pick here. And it's because he's probably the best winner in the history of the program and has proceeded to have a pretty good NBA career. I think you got to go with Pat Connaughton as the first pick. Okay. I'm a little bit disappointed that you took him number one because I wanted to take him number one too, which is so crazy that he's had the best NBA career because he wasn't even the best player on that team, at least in my opinion. No, no probably the best athlete, but yeah, not the best player. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he was a six foot four, four. On that yeah, team, guarding Carl nice. Anthony Towns, <laughs> shocked, and Notre Dame refused to double team him as he's just getting bucket after bucket. Um, all right, well, I think I'm going to go with my first pick. I got to go with Luke Heron Goaty. Um, wasn't always like you know the most aesthetically pleasing game, it's just the goofy jump shot and all, but he was second all time in points, second all time in rebounds, too. And I was actually, when I was starting to do this, I pulled up some of his highlights, he absolutely killed those Louisville teams back in the day. So personally, I got to take him at number one. I like that. Uh, I wore number 44 for a couple of years in junior high school, just because of Luke Herringote. And we also happen to share the same name and people would always ask why. And it was a kind of an awkward number to wear. It's like a, you know, five foot sixth grader, but (laughs) that was why Uh, second pick. I'm going back to the earlier days. I'm going with Chris Thomas, really Bray's first star Uh, prior to blowing out his knee. Like he takes Notre Dame to his sweet 16 uh, where they beat Illinois in the second round of the NCAA tournament and lose to an Arizona team in the sweet 16. But his first game on campus was a triple double. And he was just, it was a big deal when he went to Notre Dame, he was Indiana, Mr. Basketball. And he chose Notre Dame, not Indiana. And this is kind of like coming right off the heyday of Indiana where they were still, you know, going to final fours and competing for national championships. So that felt like a big deal when Notre Dame got him, he was my favorite player for probably the first six or seven years of my life. I had this autographed jacket that I wore to school every day that he had signed when I was in like first grade. And I think that's still somewhere in our house. So I got to go with Chris Thomas as the point guard leading the show. Thomas was so good. And he was my first favorite Notre Dame men's basketball player. I was looking through some of the stats today. He's, he's the career leader in school history and minutes played um, free throw percentage assists steals. Like he, and they I, had the I best jerseys then, too. Yeah, they had some Those gold jerseys, jerseys were just the Irish script on them. They, Under Armour kind of had enough of them. If they can do <laughs> something like that, they might be able to get back into my good graces. Okay, I like that. All right, I'm glad we got some uh, early era Bray guys in. I was thinking about going with someone with my second pick, but I need a guard, so give me Jerry and Grant. He was the best player on the best team in the Mike Bray era, and – 
I, I can't believe his NBA career didn't pan out because he was so good. I mean, he took over that Duke game. He took over so many games. He also had maybe the most iconic play of the Bray era with that dunk against Georgia Tech. So I got to go with Grant uh, for my point guard. Yeah, hard to argue with that one. Um, I think my third pick here. I got to go with Bonzi Colson. It would be it would oh. be kind of reckless not to recognize him here. One of the all-time Duke killers, um, just always balled out against Duke, including his, I guess it would have been his junior year, where Notre Dame almost won a second ACC tournament in three years, uh, where they get back to the championship game, and it's I think it's Bonzi against Tatum, right? Or no, yeah. would, would that have been Tatum? Would that have been his team? Yeah, because um, Vesteria was – well, Vesteria was guarding Tatum, and – as good yes. as Visteria was, uh, yeah, he had, he and, had some troubles. And Bonzi's playing on like one leg, just almost willing Notre Dame to a second ACC title game uh, or title victory in three years. I actually often think back to what would have happened had they won that. Because then again, of course, the next year they start off, they win the Maui Invitational. Bonzi gets hurt. Matt Farrell gets hurt. And they have to play pretty much the entire regular season with them and are the last team left out of the dance that coming year. But, I mean, can you imagine if Notre Dame wins a second ACC championship in three years? Uh, the trajectory of that program, I don't know where we're at today. Uh, so, yeah, but the, I don't know. But Bonzi's got to be on that list. We'll be right back with Luke in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes and threes made. Uh, Friday night's always a big night in the NBA, especially at this point in the season. Uh, I'm looking at the board now. I'm seeing the Chicago Bulls six-point dogs at home against the Phoenix Suns. So you know what? Giving the Bulls to cover. What's better than a home team getting points, right? FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The trajectory of the program, it, it really goes back to his injury that year. Like, things really started to go south after he went down, then Farrell goes down not long after. And, I mean, Notre Dame was riding a tidal wave of momentum going into that season. I thought they'd be really good. That was my senior year. It didn't work out. But uh, that's a good pick there. All right, so you've got Pat Connaughton, Chris Thomas, Bonzi Colson. So far, I've got Luke Herringote, Jerry and Grant. I'm actually going to go with an early Bray era guy, uh, sort of underrated in the – context of history of Notre Dame men's basketball. I'm going to go with Troy Murphy. He was seventh in points. He also had a really good NBA career. I think most of it was with the Pacers too. Uh, he's pretty tall. <laughs> he, I was actually looking up his uh, basketball reference page uh, before this. And for whatever reason, his picture is in black and white. So it looks like he played in the 60s. I had to double check to make sure that he actually played for Bray, but he does, or he did rather. So I'm going to take Troy Murphy as my third pick. Hard to argue with that. Uh, one of the, or maybe the only lottery pick of the Bray era. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't think there were, because Blake was just outside yeah, of the he lottery. Was just out, right? 15th? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess I'm going to go with. Well, I guess we'll say Constant's playing the three in this instance, sure. Um regard here. And I'm going with 
I'm going to say Russell Carter, which is probably oh. a little surprising one, but transferred in from Maryland and was a really, really prolific scorer on some very good Mike Bray teams in the mid to late 2000s. I specifically remember them knocking off a top five Alabama team at home, which it's actually kind of wild to think about. And I wish I had done this beforehand, how many top five or top 10 wins Mike Bray had in general, but especially at the Joyce Center. I mean, it seemed like I heard you say it on this episode this morning. It seemed like every year they were knocking somebody off there for the better part of two decades. Um, but I remember Russell Carter. He could really shoot it. And uh, I'm going to put him on there. I, I debated putting Matt Carroll because he also obviously probably had a better NBA career, but I'm going with, with Russell Carter. That's a good pick. He averaged 17 points his senior year. Um, you're right. He was on a really good team. Those Big East, those were so fun back when Notre Dame was still in the Big East. And like, they never, they never won one under Bray, but uh, they didn't they lose the championship to Georgetown one year? Or they, uh, they never made it to Saturday night at the Garden. What it they did the do finals, yeah. was they blew like a 16-point lead to Louisville in the semis and the, the Ben Hansborough year, uh, 2011. Yeah, that Ben Hansborough year was awesome during the regular season and then really disappointing end. That loss to Florida State just... It, it was just there. Sucked. It was awful. <laughs> it's never even close, really. Um, okay, so I've got Luke Herringody, Jerry Grant, and Troy Murphy. Um, yeah, I got to get another guard, and I'm going to go back to Kyle McElarney mm-hmm. because he was another favorite of mine as a kid. And when I was, like, thinking back about McElarney, he hit 10 threes in that game in Maui in a loss, I think. But yep. the most fun part about McElarney's game was that, like, this was the pre-Steph Curry time when it's – now we've, like – kind of normalized guys shooting from like 30 to 35 feet out, but that was not the normal or not the norm back then. And McElhinney could pull up from anywhere on the court. He was so good. Obviously he had that dumb suspension now, and but then he was able to come back to Notre Dame, had a really good end to his career and I'm going to take him. So now I got two guards. I got Jerry Grant, Kyle McElhinney, uh, and then two forwards, Luke Herringotti, Troy Murphy. And uh, now you've got your fifth and final pick. Who are you going to take? Yeah, so I was going to take a big guy here um, to fill out what would be a standard, I guess, five. But Mike Bray was always known to play a little bit smaller, and it would feel really wrong to leave Steve Asturia, the baby-faced assassin off this group. Hit so many big shots for Mike Bray teams over his four-year run at Notre Dame and was just really such a fierce competitor. I mean, the Duke shot comes to mind. I remember him hitting a really big one against Pitt the following year, too. Um, which just always lights out from that corner, just nailing threes. And it's a really fierce competitor. So it would be, I would be very remiss not to have Steve Vasteri on this list. Do feel bad not having uh, a couple other guys on here. We'll see where you go here, but uh, I'm going with Steve. My favorite part about Steve was he'd always guard the best player on the opposing team. And he just looked so, you know, not intimidating <laughs> to put it lightly. And then every game, like the other the other team's best player would get him and be like, oh, like I've got him all day. Try to drive, do whatever. And Steve would just lock him up. So that was a great pick. He also I thought had, you were going to say uh, your favorite thing was seeing him out at Club Fever on a Thursday night, uh, like just <laughs> drinking. And then two days later, he'd be on a team putting them 95 in Cameron. Yeah, exactly. He was great. Definitely a fan favorite for all the right reasons. Okay, so wait, you've got Pat Connaughton, Chris Thomas, Bonzi Colson, Russell Carter, and Steve Asteria. How is it's- that going to shake out positionally? <laughs> Did you watch the team this year? <laughs> they don't have a big guy. <laughs> That's a good point. So what? Let me guess. Chris Thomas at point. Who's the five? Connaughton. 
I mean, yeah. they did it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess him at the five, Bonsi at the four. I yeah, you're gonna be going five wide every play. It's positionless basketball. <laughs> All right. Well, now that that actually affects my next pick because I got two two good guards, two good forwards, and I was gonna um I was thinking about taking Ryan Humphrey. He's maybe if if Pat Connaughton's not the most athletic player uh under Bray, I gotta say Ryan Humphrey's gotta be close. Um you know what, though? Let's give some more love to the early era, guys. I'm going to go Matt Carroll. Eighth all-time Matt. in points. He had a really good career. So, I don't really – I guess – no, Heron Goaty technically played the five, right? But yeah. wasn't, like, the true five. Started shooting threes his last year, which was kind of weird, but he would hit them, so. Right. And, again, before we really saw that, yeah, uh, like, we, it's become so common now. If you're a big dude, you got to be able to shoot from the outside. All right, so there we go. Now we got our starting fives. So, I got – Haragody, Grant, Murphy, McElarney, and Matt Carroll going up against Pat Connaughton, Chris Thomas, Bonzi Colson, Russell Carter, and Steve Esser. How do you think that uh, that game would shake out? Not a lot of defense. <laughs> Just a ton of points. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's the only guys on the list that could defend? Bonzi could Va- defend. Vasturia. Vasturia. Um, yeah. Uh, that might be... I don't know. I guess like if we won't, if we were talking defense, not that they've had a ton of prolific defenders, but might have had to have like a Tory Jackson on there yeah. or somebody like that. Like I, I, Demetrius, I guess could have had a place potentially. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rob yeah, so- Curse was another guy I considered, just kind of that glue guy. But uh, I couldn't <laughs> couldn't le- elevate him over some of the people I ended up with here. Whenever I think about Rob Curse, I think of that picture of him. He's got the bloody eye. Oh, that mm-hmm. he was just a dog. I liked him. Okay, so if we're comparing these rosters here, I think I got a little bit more on offense, but Thomas was a pretty good defender. I mean, he picked up a bunch of steals, uh, school leader. And then mm-hmm. Vasteria and Colson. Yeah, it might be a shootout. <laughs> I think that is safe Probably. to say. Um, all right. Well, there's our teams. Let us know who had the better team. Let's get to some of the mailbag questions here as we uh, as we get closer to wrapping this up. Um, so we talked a lot about the basketball team. Let's get a football question here. And this first one comes from Drew Brennan, 77, who's like the absolute goat when it comes yeah. to bags. Drew always asks the best questions and he's got another good one today. He wants to know, what would you ask Sam Hartman during his first media session with reporters? That's a really good question. Um, I could take this one of two ways. Uh, I think if I was asked, like if I wanted just like a, inside baseball sort of answer that you're probably not going to get it would be okay so what was your reaction when you found out that tommy reese was leaving notre dame and how mad were you uh my other one if i was like a question that i i think you could actually get an answer to is what have your initial conversations with jared parker and i guess now that gino gadulli's officially hired i assume they're talking what do those initial conversations look like I like those. Odds are that he's definitely going to be asked those questions. I would just like to know why Notre Dame? Why did he pick Notre Dame? Because I'm sure he had a ton of suitors. It's already been alluded to in the past. And I'm sure that there was some big time NIL money being thrown around Adam. And he's 24 years old. Like, I guess part of the reason why I was nervous once Reese left that he might transfer is because I thought he was coming specifically for Reese. That doesn't appear to be the case. And he's been in college a long time, so I really want to know, like, what's keeping him at Notre Dame throughout this pretty tumultuous uh, start to his career at Notre Dame? 
Yeah, it is kind of weird that none of those offensive guys have talked to the media yet, but I guess the obvious answer is because they didn't have an offensive coordinator until two weeks ago and didn't have a quarterback's coach officially until, what, two days ago. Um, I guess my other question would be, what was your girlfriend's reaction when she found out you're moving to South Bend for six months? Yeah, longer than six months. He's already there, so he's, he's got to go okay. full yeah, year. Like basically a full year, I guess, almost. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, yeah, that'd be another good one. What What are your first impressions as uh, South Bend? Have you been to Wake Forest? Yeah, it's even smaller than, than Notre Dame. It's like, I want to say it's like, it's the smallest school in the Power Five. Right. They have the smallest um, stadium, too. Random trivia question for you. Yeah, and there really aren't many bars in Winston-Salem, so it's just nicer weather. Right. So I guess that's the, the one upside, but I don't know how different it really is. How's the surrounding area. Like what's Winston Salem like? It's nice, but downtown Winston Salem's like pretty small. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the suburbs are nice and whatnot, but it's not like a sprawling downtown with everything to do. Well, as uh Javante Jean Baptiste said, <laughs> There's not a whole lot to do at Notre Dame other than play football. If you want to achieve your goals. I think I said that. Yeah, I you just, said it. You paraphrased it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he's right. But that, that was a good question, Drew. Thank you. We'll be right back with Luke. But first, I got to talk to you about Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We're all trying to eat a little healthier but don't always want to sacrifice taste. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream, and so much more. These bars taste like candy, but only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. 17! It's a high number. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Oh, and by the way, you don't need to wait around to get a box. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So head to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars and you won't regret it. This next one comes from Chris Jennis. Who are the top three coaches you have a grudge against now that David Shaw is gone? That's a really good question. Um, okay. I think there's an obvious guy here, but I, I don't really want to give him attention, so I'm not going to name him. But I'm going to go one with Jim Harbaugh, just because he's a weirdo. Um, also, this is kind of conspiracy hour. Did you see that video of him moving that tree in Michigan the other day? Yeah. That was staged. That didn't oh. happen. That's that's okay. my take. That. That is just Jim Harbaugh trying to repair his image after flirting with the NFL for another year. And he, you know, worked with the local Ann Arbor police (laughs) department to get that video filmed from the body cam. And now it's out there. So that was staged. That's just a hot take. He's on there. He's a weirdo. Um, Number two, I would have to say probably Hugh freeze for no specific reason, other than he's just a really bad human being. Whoa. Uh, and I just Shots don't fired. like that. He, I don't like that. He keeps getting chances. Like it's just like, he's not that good of a coach to really gamble on in my opinion, but it keeps happening. <sighs> and okay, number three. Hmm. Number three. That's a good question. Um, I'm going to say, I can't believe you haven't said one that immediately comes to mind. Well, I think this is the guy I'm trying to leave out so I don't give him any attention. Um, But 
Number three, I guess I'm just going to go with Lincoln Riley just because I, I just don't <laughs> like him. And I think okay. he's kind of, you know, he, he's just, it's he's nothing actually smug. against Lincoln. I just don't like him. Okay. I just, that have anything to do with the fact that he's the coach at USC. Cause right. I almost put, I actually almost put him on this list. And then I realized that has way more to do with the team that he coaches than mm-hmm. like if, if he were to come to Notre Dame, like obviously I'd have a, a much different opinion on him. So for me, I got to go with one Dabo Sweeney. Is that the first, is that the one who you, you did not want to speak his name? I actually don't mind Dabo that much. Okay. I think he's, I I get why people hate him. I totally do. But uh, it's, I just like, I do think he's authentic to himself. He's just authentically corny as hell. Okay. Fair. I I don't hate him. This isn't like a hate thing. It's more just like he annoys me and he's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's, it's not as bad now, but when he do the little Clemson thing, when they had Mm -hmm. like, Deshaun Watson and the best defensive yeah. line ever. I was like, all right, dude, give it a rest. Mm-hmm. No, no one thinks you're the underdog anymore other than right. you. Um, second Jimbo Fisher. Oh, I don't get one. Yeah. I just, I can't stand him uh, really at all. I also think he's incredibly overrated at this point in his career. And um, I hope Texas A&M just like crashes and burns and Notre Dame next year uh, gets to be a part of that in uh, <clears throat> at Texas A&M. All right. And this last one, is a little bit different. Might be uh, not the most expected one. I'm taking Kirk for or Kirk Ferentz rather because Ooh, that's good. Kirk is his team is just an affront to modern offensive football. Like mm-hmm. I have no, I know you have some beef with Iowa. I don't really have any strong opinions on Iowa, the school or the football program, but I feel like Iowa is on TV so much, and I always <laughs> end up watching them. And every time I do, it's an absolutely miserable experience. Like I've tried to boycott them so many times, but I just, I can't get rid of them. And like everyone wants to talk about uh, Brian Ferentz as the o- offensive coordinator and what he's doing at Iowa. Like who do you think is telling him what to call? Like it's, I actually feel kind of bad for Brian because he's taking the, like all of it from the fan base. And I really don't think it's him. I think it's Kirk. So those are my three. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, the one I didn't want to mention coaches in the steel city. Cause I think that's just too oh, obvious. Okay. But- yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I can't believe I didn't even think about that one. All right, last one on the way out. This one comes from a longtime listener, first-time caller, Sandra Wojak, a.k.a. my mom wants to know, Luke, how did your seventh-grade hoops team finish up this year? Was <laughs> uh, no, we uh, we took a first-round exit in the playoffs, uh, which was very disappointing. Uh, only scored 12 points in the last game, but, you know, it's a long off-season ahead, so I had to put a ton of work in and uh, see see how these kids come out in their, to end their junior high career in eighth grade next next winter. 12 points? That's uh, on that the coaching staff. <laughs> we, we would either put up 12 or, like, 39. There was no in-between. That's so funny. Were you guys running, like, the burn offense? Uh, we were not. Uh, in theory, it was a motion offense. In practicality, it was running around with the ball and going <laughs> and getting trapped in the corner. <laughs> all right. That's Luke Smith, everybody. Let's do the skin too, man. All right. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Irish. Thanks, Luke, for joining me. And thanks to you for making this your first listen today and every day. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you haven't already, and if you're watching on YouTube, like the video below and subscribe to the channel. For your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court before we get to the madness of March. March is here, folks. Get ready. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, all 
on Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I'll see you again on Monday.